right, good morning. How are y'all doing this morning? Hey, I'm honored to be here. Pastor Nate invited me. Thank you again for the invite. Um, always love to hang out with you guys. It's been a while since I've been able to be up here and preaching, but um, I think we were just here a few weeks ago for a baptism service, which was great. That's a good Sunday to invite me. I love those Sundays. Hey, uh, I've got a couple of announcements we want to mention for you guys this week. First off, spiritual formations start this week. And uh, on the bulletin uh, or the booklet, it says 6 p.m., but come at 6.30. Uh, we're actually going to start then. Pastor Nate's going to be going through Meaning of Marriage. Um, if you need a, a book, I think you said you had a couple of copies left. Um, and so connect with Pastor Nate on that, and that'll be this week. Hey, as far as the groundbreaking, I know we're all kind of bummed, but today we're actually going to cancel the groundbreaking. In, in, in spirit, it's happening, right? Um, but we're actually going to wait and do some other things in the future. And so, but it was kind of muddy out there. And I know we all have boots and we could probably walk it, but uh, we just wanted to let you know, be celebrating that though. It's exciting, right? What's going on? Um, we're getting that building. And like I told the first service, like it's next to a Wawa. I mean, come on. <laughs> What's better than that? Maybe a Chick-fil-A? I don't know. But uh, I was telling them this morning, you won't need gas in heaven, but I'm sure there's a Wawa. Um, <laughs> But all that to say, no groundbreaking today, but um, we just thank God. Let's thank God today for what he's given us with that land. And so, hey, baptism class is coming up next week. It'll be following the uh, last service and it will, lunch will be provided. So um, if you've been thinking about taking that next step, uh, then I would encourage you to check out baptism class. All right. Well, uh, this morning, we're still in the book of James. We'll be in James 1. And uh, before we get there, though, something happened this morning, and I had a complete different intro, but I felt like this was much more appealing, um, or not. We'll find out later. Um, the first service was okay with it. Let's see how you guys do, okay? So how many of you guys have cars? Everybody in the room, pretty much? Okay, we all have cars. What's your favorite part of your car? It's the air conditioning. Thank you. Right. Yes. Amen. So back in October, mine went out, and I totally forgot about it. In April, we had one of those days where it's 35 degrees, and I was like, who needs air conditioning? I don't even think about it. And then the next day, it went to 85 degrees. Anybody else experience that here in Virginia? Yeah, okay, good. Some of you do. The rest of you just have not experienced that. That's great for you. Um, but my air conditioning is out. And it's been so frustrating. My son and I were driving up here today, and he's like, Dad, it's really hot. So I rolled down the windows, and then it was really loud, right? It's really loud, Dad. What do I do, son? Can I please you at all? Um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm uncomfortable too. Like, so it's just this painful experience. And you know what comes out of pain and trial? Bad words. <laughs> That's right, folks. I said, darn it. Because <clears throat> I was angry. I was frustrated. I almost went on to the other one, you know, dang it. But I didn't go there thankfully. And I'm only telling you to confess my sins before all men. Um, but at the end of the day, the trial brought about frustration. And, and at moments, those trials can cause us to want to sin. It makes it a little bit easier at times, right? We almost might even feel justified. But the reality is we're not. Nor does God even provoke us to that. Nor does he encourage that. But he actually wants you to experience the trial through faith and trust and reliability that God has got you. And so as we look at James 1, I want you to think about that thought. 
Consider the fact that, that God is using the moments of trial, not only present you with opportunities of joy, but to help you move past looking at the things of the world and looking towards the things of God. See, one of the greatest motivators I think I've had in the last few years, the reminder, was to remind me that looking at grace rather than all the stuff that's going on around me is a heavy encourager. That if I think about what I have in Christ as a result of his grace to give me salvation, that it makes some of those trials look so small and minuscule that I can see it as an opportunity for what we talked about a few weeks ago, right? Joy. And that at the end of the trial, there's going to be this satisfaction because what do trials do? Trials strengthen us. And they allow us to see how the spirit works in us and works in us for the good. And so today as we read through James, I want you to think about that and consider that in your trials, God is using those for moments to strengthen you, to consider his good. All right, James 1, verse 12 Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say he is tempted. I am being, where I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil and himself tempts no one. But, Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings death. Boy, James just gets right to it, doesn't he? Again, what I want you guys to see today is that in the steadfast faith we have in Christ, That's what gets you through the trials. A lot of times it's what we can do, right? That gets us through the next moment. This time it's about who you can trust. And the reality is we can't trust ourselves, right? All the time. Because we still have some flesh that we're working out. We can't really trust our possessions because they're temporary. So your money will last only so long. We can't trust uh, the position we're in because what is that? That's temporary as well. And thank goodness, right? Retirement, it's a good thing. What's a better thing is eternity with God. And so when James is writing this, he is reminding us to think about our future. He's reminding us to consider what's to come and allow that to motivate us through the trials. Trials are a part of the process. Now, James does this great thing again, right? He uses this word, and he actually borrows this from his older brother. He says, blessed. I don't know about you. You feel blessed in the trials? Anyone? Yeah, no, uh uh-uh. But we should. He uses this word blessed because James loved to borrow from his brother, which, good idea, right? We all borrow from Jesus. And Jesus wrote... A lot about blessed. You guys remember the Beatitudes, right? And in the Beatitudes, he says, blessed are, blessed are. He says this at the end of the Beatitudes, uh, Matthew 5, 11 through 12. Blessed are you 
when others rival you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. There it is again. For your reward is great in heaven. Hmm. He's pointing us to something, isn't he? For so they persecuted the prophets who were, were before you. So not only are you the first to experience the trials, but there have been other people that experienced. We even sang a song today that was a reminder of that. That when we get to heaven, we get to hear these stories of the trials they faced. So no one has ever been exempt from trial. And if you have, please come talk to me afterwards. But we all have had to face trials. And the reality is these trials are more tests. Now we think about tests, we all cringe a little bit, right? Do you guys remember when you were in high school? When you were in college or when you, were, you had an exam that you had to do to get your job that you're in now? Or maybe there was another position and in those moments, it was so just death-wrenching, cringing moments of just studying, of sitting back, going into your room, looking through the book and thinking, what am I doing? Like, why do I want this career? Why do I want this job? Why do I want to pass physics? Um, whatever it may be, but you just drove so hard to get it done. Was it a blessing? See what is being said here is that it was. Is that when we have the chance to walk through the trial, that's where the big blessing occurs. And then it's even greater on the back end, right? Because once we've experienced that big blessing coming through it, then we get the result. You remember what it was like to pass the test? You probably remember that a little bit better. Anybody? Yeah? Y'all awake. I remember, I was excited. I was like, yeah, I got through that. I've got a college degree. I got that job, you know, whatever it may be for you. <clears throat> but we've all had that moment where we've had that success and we've thought to ourselves, you know what? It was all worth it. And so what, what we're being reminded of is not when the trial, or if the trials will come, but when. When the trials come, will you be feeling that blessed life? Or will you take those moments and just think, ah, I can't believe I've got to go through this to get to this? Because in those moments, it's probably where we get taught the most, where we learn the most. In fact, it's part of our sanctification process. Now here, James is talking about the trials through sin that we're going to face. And how do we face those and how do we deal with them as it's coming at us from all points of view? Um, if you remember the whole book of James, the letter, he's actually writing to a group of folks that have been dispersed all across outside of Jerusalem. So they're not in their homeland where they're familiar with everything. They're not around a bunch of people. It's like they're outside the Bible belt. You know what I'm saying? Like they're somewhere like, I don't know, Arizona or Nevada, right? And they're trying to figure out how do I do life through trials where I'm having all these other things that are occurring because nobody agrees with me. Nobody's got the same mindset or theology or uh, nobody considers God like I do. 
And so in the midst of these trials, temptations rise up. And sometimes what do we end up doing? We end up leaning into them. And what, Paul, what James is saying is he's reminding us, don't lean into them. Don't let this take you over. Be steadfast and faithful. Stay and lean into Christ. Because at the end of the day, you can't come back and say, well, you know, I went through this and so I sinned. And that's God's fault. Because God does not what? He does not tempt. Temptation to sin is not a reaction of God. <laughs> We say this a lot in our uh, We Are Coastal class. Sin is the failure to conform or abide by the law of God. Sin is the failure to find one's ultimate trust and delight in the person and work of God. God doesn't go against his own will. He doesn't fight against it. He doesn't call you to go against it. He, call, he calls you to fight through the problems. He calls you to, to look towards the grace and reject the sin. And so at the end of the day, you can say, I went through the trial and I, I did not because of Christ's sin. Now, it's a hard thing to do. But the more we lean in, and here's how we do that. We read our word. We read scripture. We read his word. Maybe I should say it that way. We pray to Jesus for help. We, we request that he comes alongside of us and walks us through the trial. James is also trying to make a clear distinction between trial and temptation. Because temptation is not of God. He makes that very clear in the passage. But the reality is temptation is this, right? Temptation does what? It wants to destroy you. It actually says it brings you to death when, when you are lured by your own desires. This isn't even the desires of Satan. This isn't him trying to push this onto you. This is us. This is in our being. This is our flesh trying to work itself. When, when our sin lures us into temptation, temptation leads to sin and sin leads to death, but God wants to lead you where? Life. And so when we chase after sin, all we're doing is reminding ourselves that we were dead in our trespasses. And what God wants to remind us of is we are alive in Christ. And so when you think about this passage, the good news of it is to remind you, you are alive in Christ. Why are you chasing death? You can't reconcile anything with death and you can't take anything with you in death. And so the reality here, James wants us to know that tests do one thing. They strengthen our ability to understand the goodness of God. In the process of understanding that, I love what John 17, you guys read this a few weeks ago, John 17, 15. Remember, Jesus was praying in the garden and he says this, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. How many of you guys have prayed, oh, Jesus, come soon, please, right? <coughs> Jesus may not be praying that for you. He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. But Jesus is reminding us 
is that we live in a place, in a culture where sinful people exist. And we're a part of that, but we are not a part of their sin, nor do we have to live in it. What if we looked different? What if we looked like we've been saying for so long, authentic? What if we actually looked like the light in the world? What if we looked like everybody else was cursing around us, right? But we didn't. Or we handled our marriages different. People were asking you advice, like, why does your marriage work? Why are you such a good friend? Why are you so kind? Why are you gentle? What a world we would live in if we, kinda, if we looked at what James is saying here, we lived in the reality of we trust the grace of God. We trust that there's something ahead. So in my trials, I will not be frustrated. You wanna know what's gonna make a big difference in their life is going through the trials. And when they see how you respond to the trials, it's going to shift their thinking about Christianity. So I had somebody, and this is not me bragging. Thank goodness God allowed me to be able to be a part of this. Our cars, obviously, no air conditioning. Both of our cars have been down twice this year. And privately, I've been frustrated. I'm gonna be honest with you guys. Don't tell anyone else, okay? And Bethian and I have talked about it. We've reasoned through it. And, um, but I've never really publicly been frustrated. I've just said, you know what? God's doing something here. I'm gonna trust that. And I really do. I really do. I'm trying. And a friend of mine from our small group, he's, he's new in his faith, he comes to me, he goes, Mike, how are you guys doing this? In my head, I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm losing, uh, just, it's, it's not good, I don't know. And he said, I just don't understand how you're doing this. And I'm like, doing what? You mean just with the cars? He's like, yeah, every week I've talked to you, one of those cars has went down. And you know what I keep thinking about? It has. Here's the other thing I keep thinking about. The two guys that have been helping me fix my car, one's not a believer at all. And one of them's, all, he's there. But he hasn't taken the next step. And I think what God's doing and what God is allowing me to see is that in the trial, there is a blessing. And I'm getting to see this guy ask questions and the other guy ask questions, not about my car. So I pray this week, all of your cars break down and you appreciate the joy that I have. But isn't that it? Like I could wrap this up right now and that'd be it. Like that's what we get to be a part of. But because James doesn't wrap this up, I'm not gonna wrap it up. Sorry, folks. James 1 through uh, 16 through 18 says this. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down, oh, this is a good term, I'm gonna line this, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creation. Mm. Do not be deceived, See, I think a lot of times we have this connotation about God, like he's a distant God. He's not wanting us involved. It's just kind of like we get to accept his grace and we get to be saved, but, you know, we're not really connected that well. 
But that's quite the opposite of what's going on here. Remember, these folks are dispersed all across different lands. So they're like, we're not in Jerusalem, so we're probably not the most loved. I think what James is trying to say is, do not be deceived. You are. You're a part of this. In fact, the, the phrase here, do not be deceived, it actually means to stop the act that's already in process. See, they're already thinking this way, and James is trying to get them to think another way. He's trying to get them to think about, hey, God's grace is with you, and you can face these trials. You can face the trials beyond the temptation. Don't allow yourself to think that God is distant. God is right there with you, and including in this room, guys. And if you are far from God, you don't believe in God, you're wondering why you're even in the room, God is not distant from you if you've shown up here. This is the God we believe in. He is a good God who gives good and perfect gifts. And we're gonna talk about that here in a second. But I want you to know that he loves you. In fact, I wanna give you a couple of verses here. 1 John four nineteen. We love because he first loved us. Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Matthew 7, 11, not the convenience store, just to be clear. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts, good things to those who ask him? The Father of lights gives good gifts. The Father of lights gives perfect gifts. You know what the, the reality is, is we kind of have a weird take on perfect, right? I remember I was in psychology class back in college and they said, hey, don't use the word perfect when you refer to your children. Like, don't tell them, hey, you did a perfect job because it'll get in their minds. Like, I always have to be perfect, which I was like, okay, I get that. What I love though is God is always perfect and we can always use that phrase with him. And when he gives gifts, he gives perfect gifts. But he gives good gifts as well, right? Good, that means they are morally right. That means that they are beneficial for us. They are beneficial for him. They are beneficial for all. Then he says he gives perfect. Now, what I love about the word perfect, perfect actually means um, something a little bit different than the original language. It says, perfect means complete or whole. Now sit on that for a second. Think about that. Complete or whole. Every gift God gives you is complete and whole. Here's what I mean. It goes with you wherever you are at and will go with you wherever you will go. It is complete. It will actually be with you in heaven. It is not temporary, it is eternal. Most of the gifts that we talk about and most of the gifts that we want are temporary. They're not eternal. And so they have a time period. They will end. They have an end date. Remember when everybody tells you you can't take it with you, right? They mean when you pass, when you die, you can't put the you all in the grave and hope it's in heaven. And so what he's saying here is this is temporary. So he's giving complete, whole, perfect gifts. 
You're gonna take them with you. What are those gifts? Let's look at them. Number one, Jesus. Let's never forget he is the perfect gift. John 3, 16, 2 Corinthians 9, 15. I won't go through all these verse by verse, but you guys can look these up. The Spirit, Luke eleven thirteen. That helper, that person who comes alongside of you, speaks into your ear, helps you know when you feel like, hey, this sounds wrong. Also is the one that intercedes on your behalf and prays for the will of God in your life. The kingdom, Luke 12, 32, you're not a part of something small, right? You're a part of something big and you, it's not just coastal. We're talking about the kingdom of God, those believers who are out there. We are the, we are the greatest movement in all of history. Salvation. John 1, 12, Ephesians 2, 8. We'll talk more in detail about that in a minute. Eternal life. 1 John 5, 11. And then these last two I want to mention because these speak a little bit more highly at times than they should, but they kind of help in life. Peace. John 14, 27. In the trials, what do we pray for? Peace. And you know what the promise is? The promise is that the peace that passes all understanding with guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you remember that? The reality is that you have peace. It's not for later. It's not only when I pray for it, it is consistently and totally with you. You remember one of the titles of Jesus is that he is peace. You have peace. So that trial you're facing, you can take joy in because there is peace. Because you know that things will be taken care of. Because at the end of your life, right, it's okay to live as Christ, to die is gain. You have peace and it goes with you. It is one of the greatest gifts we can talk about because it's a gift that identifies the greatest gift we will ever have and that is Jesus. So you have peace. Last, wisdom. You guys talked about this already, but wisdom, James 1, 5. What is, God doesn't just give you wisdom. What's he do? He gives it to you generously. Like wisdom. Like let's throw that out. There's a lot. And he wants to give it to you over and over and over again. He's not holding back. Are you petitioning him for it? Are you requesting it? Are you going to him in the trial? Are you requesting that God gives you the clarity of what do I do in this situation? Or how do I hold steady? Do I need to be reminded of having peace? The reality of the God you believe in is that he wants to give you peace and wisdom, but through Christ. And the great news about this, guys, is that God does not waver in his decision to give good gifts. right? With whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. God is not waiting to determine whether or not you get wisdom. Now, for some of you, you may want to check in on that. <laughs> I know I do from time to time. But at the end of the day, he's not waiting. He's not holding you back. Most of the time, who's holding us, holding us back? We are. 
Sometimes we can be the great adversary. Because maybe we don't believe that we're loved. Maybe we don't believe that we're good enough. At the end of the day, if you have Christ, it's because he pursued you first. So you are good enough, not because you are good, but because he is good and he is in you. And so here's the reality you need to wrestle with and I need to wrestle with. Do we appreciate the gifts? Do we appreciate that he is not wavering or waiting or changing? Those gifts are available and ready for you. He's not waiting for you to get it. He's waiting for you to allow him to give it. The last part, the best gift, right? God gives the ultimate gift by way of the gospel. God sent his son who lived a perfect, whole, complete life, who went to the cross and died on it for our sins, mine and yours. He was dead at the end of that, that he was buried. And then what did he do? He bodily rose from the dead. Pretty cool. And we should never get over that. He bodily rose from the dead and revealed himself to over 500. And we have the testimony of that in 1 Corinthians 15. See, the good gift that we get is that we get to step into relationship with the God of the universe. Let's take it even further. The only God there ever is and ever was and ever will be. The God who gives you and I salvation. The God who gives you an opportunity to be a part of the kingdom. The God who wants to give you generously his wisdom. The God who wants to give you peace. The God who wants to let you see what the kingdom can do. Are you ready for that God? Because that's the God you got. And he's got this full plan that he wants you to be a part of. In fact, that's the next point, right? He puts you as his first fruits. As Paul is, or James is writing this letter, he is telling those people that are dispersed that you are part of the plan, that you are the first fruits, you are the ones that are unique in all creation. The animals don't got it. The trees, they don't got it. But we do. Remember when he was, when he breathed life into Adam and then Adam had the availability to live, be a part of creation. And then God has since given the purpose, the commissioning, Matthew 28, right? That we get to go and we get to not only be a part of living this life, but we get to go share the life and light of Jesus. You get to share that there's an eternal life ahead. You get to share that there's a kingdom people can be a part of. You get to share that there's salvation. You get to share that there's a Jesus who loves them. You get to share that there's opportunity for peace. You get to share there's opportunity for wisdom. We get to be a part of a great opportunity. And do we deserve it? No. But we are given it because of Christ and his love and his pursuit of us. Nothing better in the world. Guys, you can't give your kids better Christmas gifts than that. I dare you to try. So what James is saying all in all is he's saying we get to be a part of the process. We get to experience good gifts. What's bad about this passage? 
nothing. This is solid. This is good. So today, I want you to leave with three action steps. First action step, I want you to appreciate the test. The test refines us. The test allows us to experience who God is and how he is working. And in turn, it allows us to be able to say to ourselves, okay, I can get through this. Not because of what you're going to do. Yes, we respond to the calls that God gives us, but really it's the leaning and the faith that you have in Christ to get you through it. We still have to take the steps, absolutely. We still have to hold our load, yeah, absolutely. But at the end of the day, Christ is the one that carries us through. And so I want you to appreciate the test. I want you to accept that there is a title that goes before your name that you are blessed. That this week, when that car breaks down, when that ma- you're having a discussion in your marriage that's a little more tense, I want you to appreciate the refining that it gives you. When you're at work and you don't get along with your colleagues, I want you to appreciate the moment of the stretch and the strengthening. I want you to appreciate and realize that you are blessed that God has entrusted you to go through trial because it's a good thing. And on the back end, what do you get to know more? Jesus. You have the wholeness of God with you. The perfect goodness of God. If you were in Christ, you have that. If you are not in Christ, I'm sorry. You don't have that, but you can. So don't leave here today without taking advantage of that. You're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. And I hope that you will see the goodness of God that exists, that he wants to give you a good gift. Because at this moment, money can't buy you peace. Money can't buy you salvation. And so I'm encouraging you today to realize that there is a good God out there that you can know. And for those of you that know, I want you to be reminded, you have a good God on your side and he loves you and gives good and perfect gifts. And then finally, I want you to continue to recognize what are we? We're on the mission. We get to be a part of sharing the good news from the Father of lights. We get to be a light in the world in dark places. And so when the opportunities come up for trials to come against you, just see it as an opportunity to share your faith. This is an opportunity for you to reflect back on today and hearing what James says. Forget what I said, but what James says and to count it as a blessing to go through that trial, to remember that you are a part of the first fruits, you are unique in all creation and you get to share the goodness of God. We're gonna have the band come up here. They're gonna remind us that our God is good. They're also going to remind us of what we have as a result of a good God. We are favored. We are anointed. So today, as we are walking through um, just life in general, I want you to remember that you have a God who loves you and he wants to be in relationship with you. I'm also going to invite the prayer team. If you have something you need to pray about, I want to ask that you would come up and just put it before the Lord, put it before others. Let them pray for you. Let's be community. And just reflect a little bit on how good our God is. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you 
You, you are the great giver. No one compares to you. We don't even compare to you. Yes, we know to give good gifts, but God, you give great gifts. Father, as we sit here today and we contemplate what you say, you have James right out in his book, in his letter. We are reminded that we are a part of a bigger picture. We are reminded that you allow us to be in a position unlike any other of creation. And so God, this week, I pray that we would champion you, both in our good times and our bad. Pray even tomorrow as we reflect on people who have sacrificed their life, the Memorial Day, for the sake of the cross, for the, for the sake of honor and duty and freedom. That God, we would also rem- be reminded of the sacrifice you gave to us, which was your son on the cross, who gave us ultimate freedom under you, under your authority. And so God, I thank you today as you just challenged us with your word, may we take it home, may we read it, may we dwell in it, may we always constantly live it out. God, I thank you for your grace, your love, your mercy, and your truth. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.